Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Thwip. Thwip. Bam. Bam. Thwip. Thwip. Bam. Smash. Smash. Pow. Snicked. Snacked. <laughs> we're, losing, we're losing energy. <laughs> we just like gave up. <laughs> yep. Uh, this 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 is a special episode. We're only speaking in uh, sound effect words uh, for our reviews, so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty out there. Blink is a, a a sound effect that I've just seen on a page of a comic that we are gonna look at. So that is my review of that comic. Anyway, anyway, moving forward. <laughs> so this is your Exiles and Excalibur podcast. Uh, this week we're talking about three issues, like normal. We've got Exiles number nine, uh, we've got Excalibur number eight, and we've got the new Exiles, which is, is that number nine as well, Dan? Number seven. Number seven. So three issues. I think last last episode we had three outstanding issues, and this week might be slightly different. I think we're going to have some some things to to dig our teeth into here. Yes, it's very much a different type of sandwich. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's on, not that it's going to be bad, bad, but it's not going to be amazing either. Mm. So should we start with Exiles number nine sure. from two thousand and one? So, um, but, what's what's the cover look the, like for you, Dan? Well, I, obviously, with my lovely trades, um, I don't have all of the garish Marvel font all over me. But I do have two digitally painted or coloured uh, female characters, Blink and and Nocturne. And Nocturne's ears are ridiculously pointy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Blink already has pointy ears, but no, Nocturne looks like she's uh, she's like Batmaning it here. <laughs> I know she has quite pointy ears normally. Because mm-hmm. it's because like obviously um, I assume it was a design choice to give her sort of pointy ears because of a for some maybe because her mum's mask is like a V. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But um, this one isn't the worst one. It's nowhere near as bad as the last issue. Oh God! Nowhere near as bad as the last issues. Um, still not great, and it's very. Because that's the black border as well, so it's very. Which reminds me of you know the ultimate yeah, comic, yeah, which definitely. came out came out around the same time. So it's very of the time, very early two thousands. Like, mm. look, new millennium, new cover attempt. Um, I would not be bothered to ever see this image again. No, I I'm agree. Fine. And on Marvel Unlimited, they have uh, issue number seven cover in the top left uh, corner of the page so they've got the Mr. Dinosaur uh, making another appearance oh god yay yeah um, so that that's a pass on the cover yeah okay um, so who's the creatives this time Dan well um from because obviously I have to look at the front Judge Winnick as always is writing um and I believe it's Mike McCone is inside um, it could be any of the. I've got millions of inkers, so I don't have an idea. But it still it still says it's transparency digital as the colorist for the whole book, by the way, mm-hmm. like everything. So maybe it was recolored, or that's just who was doing it at the time. And we're on part two of a world apart, where part, we part have three. You mean 
Part three? No, it's part two. It's part two. Wow. Okay. My cover says part three of three. No way. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's part two. <laughs> it's part two. I was thinking, I'm like, I don't remember them defeating Galactus at the end of this issue, but is it? Maybe it is part two, part three. Well, let's get into it. We'll, we'll self-correct as we move along. Let's hope we've read the same issue now. Um, well, it's issue nine, right? <laughs> it's issue nine, right? Okay. And, and Blink, and Blink is on the front cover. Um, uh-huh. So so basically, we, find, we pick up where we left off. Um, half of the exiles are still imprisoned by the scrolls who have taken over the world for a hundred years and have made like a gladiatorial because obviously gladiator came out in 2001 so Winnick thought it'd be a good idea to just take that idea um and so we have superpowered combat to entertain the squirrel masses on the outside blink and morph found sam wilson who led them to reed richards and then we found out that galactus was coming but that was the best cliffhanger because the other cliffhanger was that Reed Richards is alive, and that's really not a cliffhanger at all, it's just a thing. So, we pick up with Mimic, even more bearded than the last time we met him, being marched out onto the stage with some narration about how hardcore uh, this world is and how hardcore he is. And his opponent is Captain America. Or as their schools call him, the Captain. And the reason this Captain is different is that he... Um, Basically, is completely brainwashed by the schools. Is their best champion, and is, bas- is basically um, treated like a squirrel, and is really well regarded. And it pisses Calvin off to no end. That this man that used to be a beacon of heroism in his own world and like one of the best heroes to ever exist is now just some showman lackey for the aliens, and Calvin decides that you know because this is gonna be a really big match because this is what all the tools have been wanting to watch because uh mimic has been rising up through the ranks of the combat and really dazzling the crowd so everyone was geared up for this and to basically stick it to the crowd and to the squirrels uh mimic essentially ends the fight in a second because he hasn't told anyone he has cyclops's optic blasts and he blasts steve rogers into the wall and it's over and apparently he gives the crowd the bear um as he walks off which i thought as an opening was really strong actually as an opening for the issue um i really enjoyed it how do you feel i did too uh i i loved uh, sort of getting inside of his head and his thought process for all of this um i love you know knowing that he's he's been strategizing throughout all of his combat like what powers to show off what to use what to hold back I I love the fact that <laughs> I don't know if I love the fact, but just one blast from from his optic beams takes out Captain America is is equal parts hilarious and kind of like what really, but um, no, it's a really like strong issue, uh, rather strong couple of pages here uh, in terms of of just getting inside Mimic's brain and. I love him getting like his little bit of revenge here. You sort of you feel for him. You identify with him. Exactly. I think it's a great piece of character work. Um, as opposed to sort of what goes on next, which is um, a couple of pages of exposition, which 
I found find really bulky. Even looking at it now, the web balloons are making me nauseous. Um, yes, they are covering the, the panels. Yeah, um, the art isn't actually talking artistically. We haven't really uh, spoken about it. The art in the first couple of pages are um, very long and wide panels um, of the style. Obviously, everyone at the time was mimicking Hitch when he bought uh, Hitch uh, with when he was started to bring in the sort of cinem quote unquote cinematic style mm-hmm. and widescreen paneling. So that's very like, well, you can almost say shot. In a way that would be yeah. cinematic in a sense. Yeah. And then we go from these really nice long wide panels um, with some great shots and really detailed work. Like I, I love Mimic's uh, expression just before he's um, cut it off by the. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he's sort of like "fuck you" <laughs> in his face. You can really see it, and I really like like the design of Cap. I think it's kind of cool, like a gladiator Cap, and just the general like detail it really works. Even the color work is quite nice. And then you get like then we move to like sort of semi-traditional panels, um, and these panels are just filled with uh, wear balloons, and it is so much information because you have uh, Morph sort of explaining who Reed Richards, slightly explaining who Reed Richards is to Blink. Um, you've got all the stuff about Galactus. You've got everything about hacking into comms and zones, uh, the skulls. And you move to the schools who are seeing things from their perspective, you know, you see from the school's perspective. It doesn't really flow very well to read. I found it quite sort of, oh, it's a bit too much here and there. And maybe give, maybe if they gave the art a little bit more of a, more room to breathe, it could maybe put across a little bit more intent. Um, As always, I do like the fact that Morph tends into young read. Which are his own Reed Richards, which yeah. was a nice touch. Uh, and then obviously, and then we we move over to the squalls, finding out that um, the joke that is Tirax. Um, is it Tirax? I've never pronounced him properly. Uh, Tirax. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, I, I think I find him a. I find him just like a joke. I just, when it comes to like. Herald Galactus, I just kind of shut off after Silver Surfer. Because mm-hmm. um, it was all like, Silver Surfer, now this one does rock, this one does fire, this one does water. Mm-hmm. And like, what's... I was like, well, What okay. about when um, uh, Aunt May became the Herald of Galactus? Well, that obviously I paid to see. Um, <laughs> and is it, is it... What was her name? Johnny Storm's girlfriend mm-hmm. who became a flamey person? Because why not? Um, and she's made of gold as well. Um, she was okay, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the Styrax, and I don't really like what they did with this because I know it's supposed to be on a panel, um, a computer screen. But I really don't think, like, I don't know, just it, it. The lines don't really convey compute, com- like screen anyway, and they just seem to just hinder all the color work. You could have just had it as it is, and it, it would have been maybe better. Um, I really don't like that panel of, of Herald, that Terax, Terax, the Tamer. Wow, that's his name. Um, him. Anyway, moving on from that. Well, here's a question. Why isn't yeah. it Silver Surfer in this universe? You know, what... What? Um, I mean, we're not going to get an answer, obviously, but why wouldn't... You know, what happened to Norn Red? What... Uh... 
he's, he shouldn't have been affected by the scrolls landing on Earth. So it's interesting to think about why uh, why there is no Silver Surfer here. Maybe because um, they just couldn't be bothered to draw Silver Surfer, or maybe because he's considered more of a heroic character. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I thought you don't want to like sort of put him Ruin through it. the. Yeah. I don't know. Which weird. It's weird to even discuss that with Exiles, since that they often put heroic characters as villains. Maybe that was the point. Maybe they're just like, well, we just won't have Silver Surfer as evil. Well, just because we've done it about five times already, and it's right. issue nine already. Right. So maybe they're just like, we'll do T Rex because it'll be. Terex, what? <sighs> Sorry, I just sigh every time I see him. Anyway, um, so then we get like a fast. After all of that dense dialogue, we get this really fast moment of like the school seeing the Herald appear, uh, the school's leaving in their uh, sort space sources. We got <laughs> Morph celebrating with a little party hat on, and um, all the cells open up, and it sort of like hits into gear yeah but i don't think it works because it's just like really i don't know if you know how if you heard me even click then but it's like one two three four five six seven eight like really fast oh yeah and i don't i don't think um i feel like it's an action sequence because we they they wanted one or needed one not an action sequence that make that that was necessary because the book now is dominated by the Herald, the, the, the people that are free fighting um, Terax. Mm-hmm. I do like the fact that one of the prisoners says, should we stay in the pens? <laughs> yeah. Or should we stay put, should I say? And I love the fact that Peter's like, nope, bye-bye, as in Peter Parker. He's oh, like, yeah, bye. yeah, yeah. Just, and Calvin's like, I always, I always liked you, Peter. Yeah. And so... Um, Terax is just murdering people, and then then all of a sudden, and Morph turns into Galactus with a hot plate. That's one of my favorite death. panels from this book. That is that is a great panel. That's why. Because <laughs> his Galactus Galactus costume is a little bit like off color, and like <laughs> poppy, and he's just like, it's like almost like cosplaying it in a like a flamboyant sort of way. I just love it. And I love the fact that when he goes into his like his of. Um, Wet weather clothes. The umbrella doesn't have an umbrella. Yeah. It's just this. <laughs> uh, but I do like these these moments. And then all of a sudden you've got this really nice. Well, I don't know if it's nice. This really big splash page of all of the heroes um, that have been released, including some of our own. And it's uh, like you've got an animation box going on about how, like, uh, it's essentially the. And there came a day. Uh, <laughs> that is what all of the narration boils down to, mm-hmm. and it is a million boxes, but it could have been summed up in about four. Um, and it's not bad. None of the dialogue's bad. It's a bit overall. It's a bit mm, cliche moments, and cl- sometimes cliche works and is really fun because we've we've had a lot of cliche in this book before and we've enjoyed it. But this feels more like going through the motions kind of cliche, like oh, they're all heroes. Especially when we get to later with the Hulk and the thing. That was just like, okay, of course. Mm-hmm. Why not? But how do you feel about this, this this splash page? Because there's one character on this splash page that I know that you're in love with. and That um, I'm in love with? Yeah, you're in love with you're in love with the guy in the middle with his cyclish explosion, explosive chest oh, of yeah, guy. Yeah, I've been having... It's, oh, man. You, could, you wouldn't... If, if that circle thing wasn't happening... All right. 
<laughs> let's step back for a second. None of these characters look like them, who they are at all, <laughs> really. Outside of Sauron because Dinosaur Man, Thing because of Rockman, <laughs> and Norman Osborn because of like weird hair. Otherwise, none of these people look like anyone that you would know. Uh, I know that that's Valkyrie because she has a sword, sword. And she's blonde. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's 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 the the other things. It's nothing about how the actual characters look. It's the little little pieces around them. So, for example, Havoc, he's got the circles coming out of his chest, but otherwise you would have no idea who this is. It's just like weird-looking blonde guy. Yeah, but would you not say that's Sam Guffrey, uh, Cannonball, the guy with the long head and blonde hair? Uh, next to I mean, maybe. I wasn't even sure it was a guy, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can see our characters, right? There's, yes. There's yes. T-Bone and and I see Cal. Um, so our well, characters are fine. Well, see, I didn't even pay attention to Cal because he just looked like another random like dude on the page. <laughs> Dude, that is that is his mo, um, essentially. So for me, this um, page was like, uh, I mean, the they're here. None of them look like anyone, but they're here, I guess. Well, then we move to another page where they have Etrig and the Demon join the Marvel Universe. It would seem. <laughs> um, is that supposed to be Moreau? Or Marrow, sorry. Yeah, I think it's supposed to Marrow. Like, uh, the problem here is, I, I would love this if we I could tell who these people were, but half the time it's like, who are they supposed to be? They don't. Well, I think the guy quipping must be Peter, right? Right, right. So they're, the they're, you can like piece them, like after the fact, you put the evidence together. You're like, okay, I, I know who this character is now. But visually, if you look, if you took the dialogue away, you'd be like, I have no idea who these people are. They're just like true. Random. Like, there's only ones with like iconic idea, like um. Storm is iconic. She's got an iconic look. It's right. like you can point her out from anywhere. Yeah. So uh, I but... was excited to be like, okay, we're gonna get all these heroes fighting. But then uh, you look at the artwork and who who am I supposed to be rooting for here? I don't really know. It's it, it's almost like uh, this could have you changed the dialogue around a little bit, and this could this book could easily have been like an image like one shot with a whole bunch of like <laughs> random new characters that you had no idea who they were. And it is quite a boring fight. It's yeah. like quite boring. Like they charge at him, he bellows his stupid, inane villainy chat of blah blah blah, come at me, strongest of survive. Um a million characters have said it before. Um and a million characters will say it again. And it's kinda of like just really boring and they get the upper hand and then of course they get slightly get the upper hand and yet he reveals another power because that's what they always do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just feels very generic. And then there's a panel that I really, a panel I do like, because I do kind of like the color work, where Johnny Storm, like, flames on him. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a really nice panel. And I do, I really love the fact, the time where Marvel adopted that um, word balloon for Johnny, when he's mm-hmm. in his flame mode. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like that word balloon. I know it's, it's a weird thing to say, but I like the fact that the, the, the words are red, and it's sort of, Near the top is a flame, and it's like quite yellow, and then it goes down to um, white as it's going closer to the at the end of the bubble. Um, I just like it. I think it's a really nice design, and it's a shame that I don't see it that often anymore. Mm. Um, it's probably because he's not really in comics anymore. <laughs> he's coming it. back. He's coming back. Yeah, I get to see it some more, hopefully. But yeah, that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite panels of Johnny um, going. Oh, yeah. You know, Jason, Jason tweeted out that, that panel as well, so obviously he uh, thought that was a, a standout panel. It's because he has taste. Um, he does. 
and it just keeps going. The fight literally keeps going until um, we get a little bit of history about Bruce Banner for no apparent reason other than we have to fill page space. I mean, we, we had an issue previously where they were hunting the Hulk, so I feel like we know enough about him. Like, even if he wasn't, like, an iconic character, we had two issues about trying to capture well, him. Maybe we should talk about the fact that this is at the end of the... This was at the beginning of the 2000s, where the medium had yet to divorce itself from unnecessary dialogue. Uh-huh. Um, It was still in its sort of... Modern, modern storytelling story comics as we know it now was in its infancy then. And I think it... They, the writer and everyone still struggled with the concept of um, not filling the page. I know yeah, there's yeah. silent issues, and I know there's is, there's been loads of issues where they just let the art the artist do do what it what it you know what they wanted. I know that's what I'm saying, but it's more commonplace now to let the art speak for itself and to like not have narration boxes. Let's be honest, kids, how many narration boxes do you see anymore in in modern day superhero comics? Like. Not many at all. A few handful of superhero comics have narration boxes like this. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, it's one of those things where J- Judd Winnick might have thought to himself, well, if I don't put words on the page, will I get paid? <laughs> or is he getting paid per, 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 per web per page? Let's see. He got, he got the Claremont contract. Yeah, he got the Claremont contract. Um, so it feels like he's just... That's why it feels really jarring for me. It's like these panels could have easily been nothing. Literally not like no, just them fighting in silence for me. Just sound effects. Mm-hmm. We're not even we're not allowed we're not even allowed sound effects. Like there's hardly any sound effects here at all. So to me the fight is in silence. Um essentially. I know it's not. I'm not an idiot. But um, <laughs> but it feels like the fight has has no lights of um weight to it at all mm. and it's and they're trying to add weight to it by going on about like he's the banner beast now and he was really fearsome and his greatest adversary was the thing just like in our world and but the thing was more liked by the people unlike banner but now that doesn't matter because they're fighting this one guy together and then everyone just piles on him the end yeah you know, what I mean, that's literally it, and it sound that may have sounded really simplistic, but that is literally the word. No, not literally, but that's the co- intent of the words. That's all it says. It's just the words are a little more over, over, over emotional. Yeah, but, I, mean, I can't disagree with you here, Dan. You're you're on the mark. I'm not. I'm, I feel really bad because it's not a bad issue. It's very mediocre. Um, it's very part two of mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. And it's very. It's because the fight is unnecessary. It, that's probably why. The exposition pages were just chocked with exposition. She's like, "Oh, we need to. We're just going to have to have a big fight here," and it just doesn't feel like anything happens. And the only time we really interact with our characters, the ones we're supposed to be um, interacting with, are the best parts of the book. The bit at the beginning with Mimic, and the bit at the end where Mimic and right. meet up, and the bit where they discuss on the balcony above them all is actually fun. The fact that. I love the fact that Morph's wearing sort of like a tent, almost like a, it, it almost looks like a Victorian funeral um, director's garb. It's what he's wearing. Oh, at the um, end, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that, like, I, the bits there and the whole when spoilers at the very end of the issue when uh, Clarice says, 
uh, Avengers Assemble, and it's a little. They make a little joke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's nice. That's that's the nice part. But that's it. Like their bookends to just meh. As a whole, a whole word to describe describe a book, and it's it. You know, but I feel like I've overly described what I don't like anyway. So. Um, <laughs> Because the issue basically just ends after the fight, after the fight with Terex, and right, and it's just yeah, it like, ends, and then the heroes go to see all the uh, the technology, and they're like, "Ooh, Peter Parker actually has an interest in technology, and so does the Banner Beast." Isn't that weird? Yes, how how dare they all be exactly the same copies and duplicates? Um, <laughs> um, and then then our guys just have a bit of a, a bit of banter, and then the issue actually just ends. Yeah. No Clipper, nothing. Just Avengers Assembled. I, I do just like a... the, the the part where, where Blink and Calvin finally see each other after, I don't know, it's oh, like yeah. months or whatever. And it's a little touching moment between them. Yeah, like I said, when the, when our characters interact, it's literally the best bit of the, of the, of yeah. the issue. And and that was part two. Or as your cover says, part three. Could you imagine if that was just part three? I'd be like, I'm done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't give it a part four. Part part four of three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's basically it now. Um, yeah, until, until the next issue, and I don't know. I just feel like it's it's very pedestrian, very middle of the road. Mm-hmm. It really shows up its its time period. Yeah, like it really heavily shows up time period from from the way the covers frame to the over reliance on descriptors. To just the panel layouts of, even though the panel layouts I liked with the widescreen, but even just like a complete dominance of widescreen panel layouts, uh, the digital coloring. Weirdly enough, this is the one issue at the moment that's really showed the age of the book, apart from maybe the first issue. Like, really highlighted for me that this is from the beginning of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, and I think the major problem is our characters aren't part of this book. This issue, oh, not really at all. When they are, it's the only thing that's interesting. And I think that was the misstep of of the issue is that they focus too much on the world, which, to be honest, isn't that interesting. I think there's a temptation for Exiles to highlight, you know, characters that we know in other situations. So I think that's what they're trying to do. Like these are the characters that you know, but in they've been thrown into the gladiator pit and this is what's happened and we're going to show off. So, you know, they're sort of sticking in the vein of, of what Exile's trying to do, but nothing really sticks out. Nothing's really extremely different or, or amazing about these characters. They just feel like, well, it's the Hulk, but he's fighting in a gladiator pit and it's the thing who was fighting in the gladiator pit. And there's, there's nothing different about them. There's nothing like, wow, this look, this universe, it's just, yeah, we know these characters already, and you're going to talk to us more about the history of these characters that we already know in a fight that, you know, why why are we doing this? Because the problem is, is it was, uh, preceding it was a, an issue that was just beautifully character-driven, mm-hmm. fleshed out the school world, and showed the situation. So having this, and being like, I feel like we don't need to see it anymore. It would have been more interesting well, what, if if they were actually like if 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 somehow Reed Richards had opened up the pens while the scrolls were still around and there was motivation for the heroes to fight back against their captors instead of here's a random dude dropped from space and now we're gonna fight him. Uh, I don't know what's it, you know. 
It would have been more interesting if, because they're free, they just leave. What like, do you mean, they just leave? Fight. They, they, just go, they just go. They just fuck off. They don't even fight the dude. They don't care. They just, they've been, these guys have been, like, tortured for the Oh, their life. yeah, 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 totally, yeah. They just, they just go away. <laughs> they're just like, and then the exiles, like, expect them to fight, but they're actually like, no, we're done with fighting. Like, this world is, the world's shit. Let's go somewhere else. And they go commandeer a school vessel and leave. <laughs> just leave Earth to die. <laughs> After what's happened. But we'll see. I suppose it was the idea that no matter what circumstances heroes are put in, they will always be heroes. Mm. Which is a beautiful sentiment. I mean, I don't, not, I don't feel like that's a sentiment that they try to portray at all. No, no, it's it's in the it's in the first part of the di- the boxes where they talk about the um where the little drop ins of like oh they were they were enemies but now they're coming together to fight they've got their freedom so now they were going to fight for their freedom and stuff like that so it's like it's like this idea of um them becoming heroic out of the pens or doing heroic things I guess. <laughs> but you know, I, I think we we come pretty down on the issue where it's not a terrible issue. Um, um, no, it's not terrible. It's very much you kind of breeze through it mm-hmm. for the next part, I suppose. Yeah. So I mean, the the middle part of a three part story, it's all right. Well, let's let's see what happens next issue. And spoiler alert: the the, the cover still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> True. This is very, very true. Uh, yep. So that was Exiles number nine. Next up, we have Excalibur number eight. Um, so, you know, Marvel Unlimited has writer Chris Claremont, cover artist Ron Lim, and penciler Ron Lim. And that's all that I've got uh, creative-wise uh, from Marvel Unlimited. Maybe we'll uh, see it fleshed out a little bit more. You know, sometimes you see in the you know, in the bricks of a building, you'll see written by blah 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 well, inside the issue. You know, it's you know we've departed from the usual exile, um, exile. Sorry, Excalibur creative team. Um, when the creative team is a traditional box across the bottom of one of the panels. Hmm. Well, it's it's going to be one of those issues. <laughs> yes, because I've got the rest of the creative team. Um, the guest that Ron Lim's obviously a guest penciler, and their guest inker mm-hmm. is Joseph Rubenstein, and we have a different colorist, John A. Wilcox, and um, that's about it. Uh, the tour guide, Tom DeFalco, is our tour guide today. That's good to know, I guess. Yep. Um, I'm going to say one thing before we start, and um, it's going to be a running theme, but I think the biggest loss of the issue is that we don't have uh, Glynis Oliver on colours. Not not because right, not because Alan Davis the loss of Alan Davis isn't a bad thing. It's just I think if she she was still on colours, it may have turned out differently. Right. Is all. Yeah, there's no um there's nothing creative wise uh, on the art side that's really tying it in with any of the previous issues. So yeah, sometimes a colorist can help to uh, you know keep books in a thematical, artistic you know vein, keep it flowing well. But it uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit different inside. 
But uh, let's talk about the cover first. Uh, we've got our, our team standing out in the rain in New York. Uh, and it says Mayhem in Manhattan. Um, and Kurt's about to be hit by a taxi. Megan is just like... <laughs> But Megan is just like all legs and all, I don't know, in like a ballerina pose. Um, Brian just looked clueless. And Shadow Cat is just, I don't know, she's smiling here. I don't know what's, what she's doing. And Rachel's just angry at the crowd. And I don't know if this portrays anything that's actually happening in the book at all, even, even, <laughs> even thematically. No, but I do really like, right, so um, the cover has Mayhem in Manhattan, which is great. Yeah. A great. It's a great tile like pure 80s it feels um i love the color work of the rain mm-hmm. and i do like i do like the background um, imagery of the um sort of because it's color washed with the blue and the purple yes on the white white background so i thought it was a really nice touch and i like the fact that it, it transitions into white white streaks over the characters so i thought it was quite nice and i do actually quite like the cover because i just love cat expression at the again <laughs> So, like, I, I'm commenting that it, it doesn't make any sense, but I still no. do enjoy the cover. It's a fun cover. Oh, the cover makes no sense for what's inside. Yeah. Like, um, at all. Um, do you have, instead of the barcode, do you have just the guy, a happy cab driver? Uh, no, it is blacked out. See, I don't, for this collection, I don't have a barcode. I just have a happy cab driver's face. <laughs> it's really quite funny. It's like this black and white cab driver's like. I love box. it. Well, he he is sort of the star of the issue. Yeah, he's essentially the only thing that is on the cover that's actually in of my actual characters. <laughs> um, but I really like the cover, which is probably going to be the highlight of the issue. Which is the first time I'm going to say that about Ex- Excalibur on this podcast. Yeah, I think you know. It tries to do something here. Uh, it partially succeeds and partially doesn't succeed uh, in, in regards to Megan. Um, so it's it's a different kind of issue. Well, would you like to take us away? And uh... Sure. Stan Lee presents Excalibur's New York Adventures is what it says on the first page. As we have Brian jumping up uh, in an action pose in his pajama bottoms. Uh, searching for Megan, which is the weirdest. Like, <laughs> it's like he's he's just, something startled him awake, and he's jumped up like ready to fight. And he's I just love the fact that Megan. he has he just he just calls Megan one, and then he tells the re- like immediately after he tells the rest that she's gone. Yeah, Megan, <laughs> Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, anyone else? This is this is really this this second dialogue bubble is 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 Claremont curse. Yeah. That's that's bad, Claremont. He doesn't need that. No, no. There's a lot, you know, a running theme for this. Uh, I don't know about all three issues, but at least these first two issues we're going to cover is word bubbles because this one has a lot as well. Yes. Um. So we've got you know Brian in his. I don't know if this is a hotel room or if this is his New York apartments. Uh, just looking out onto the city. He's wondering where where's Megan? What's what's happened since all of the craziness in, in New York? And I know these is just kind of like unnecessary panels to me. <laughs> it's just just Claremont's like, I want to talk, I want him to think a lot, and I need panels for Brian to think. So can you draw me these panels of him just standing there doing nothing? So that's what we have. 
Oh. I do like the fact that the rest of the team leave notes. Yeah. <laughs> On the mirror, no less, because they think he's such a vain, vain. Um, well, he is. Dude. They just leave it on the mirror. They could have left it anywhere. But it's like he's going to look in the mirror at least twice. So let's leave him there. Right. So we know that uh, Rich has gone to visit her brother. Shadowcat's gone to uh, where the expansion used to be. And where's Nightcrawler? Um, he's gone to steal or oh, we right. a ship. Yep. A plane. Sure. Um, and so... Without his costume, Brian decides he's going to wear a tracksuit today, and he flies off in a, in a black tracksuit out into the city. And maybe the highlight of the book for me are two panels of uh, a Lois and Clark stand-in uh, walking through New York City com- commenting on Brian Braddock flying through the air. Yep, that was actually a really great moment for me. Um, I thought it was quite cute. Yeah, super cute, super fun. It's like poking fun uh, in, a, in a loving way at, uh, at comics as a whole. So I love those two panels. Uh, then we cut to uh, a pier in Coney Island, and Megan's sort of reliving the, the trauma um, that was the last few issues. And she's, she's thinking about, you know, was, was this really hers? Is, is this all she can be? You know, was she in control or how much of this this darkness that came out was, was her and, and what she's supposed to do? And the way that she's thinking about all this is not in a way that she talks. This feels like someone who loves to expound in prose about, like, her background. When when Megan is, is a much more simple kind of a character and wouldn't speak in, like, what we say, like, five $5 words, you know? This is not how she would speak about herself so this felt very like out of character to me yeah well weirdly enough um rewinding um what was also out of character is that brian even gives a hell gives a damn about About megan yeah yeah um it was such a weird like we moved past it but the the opening isn't just brian in shots thinking to himself which essentially it is but there's these moments where he it's almost as if claremont's gone home they're supposed to be a couple. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't make him an absolute bastard. Um, and it's yeah. kind of like really off, like off, like it's just turn the dial the other way immediately. And like the whole Megan stuff, we have a recap. Um, and I don't know. I don't feel like we need the panels for the recap. No, but that could have been worse. And then these panels of her being upset under these pyramids are kind of ugly. Yeah, and I know that I know that you. This could, is you where could... I, I I was like, wait a second, this isn't the usual artist. This is what really stuck out to me. Like, hold on a sec, this is different. Because you could argue that when she does do certain things, her emotional state changes her shape shifting. Yeah, so you could argue that's the reason it looks she looks bizarre in panels. But um, I really don't like the color work as well. It just it's a bit sort of bland. This book has always been really vibrant and just feels very bland, very traditional. Everything feels very traditional. Some panels are really lovely. But um like oh, I really like the, super- the artwork's the super- not horrible, but it's just not it's not what we were coming to expect uh from this book. We're gonna come to a panel where she's um, mimic 
um, she's mimicked uh, another woman, and like the panel of their two heads is really nice. I really like like the color work. There's like obviously, I sh- you know she's supposed to be black, but you know <laughs> comics don't want to color anyone. Yeah, uh, actual yeah. skin color. Yeah, um, it's a really bad. Yeah, coloration. they've almost gone like Grey Hulk with it. I don't, I don't know. But uh, Megan is 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 kind of rescued by these women who are just out at the beach. They find her under the pier crying, and and they go to take her to get some some regular clothes because you know there are moments here where they're like, "What are you wearing?" Like guys are gonna like take advantage of you if you wear clothes like this. Let's get you into something that's a little bit safer for you, and we can take care of you. And there there are like moments like this where I'm like, okay, I kind of see Claremont's trying to help Megan stand on her own. Uh, but then there are other parts of the story where you're like, oh oh god, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah because like <clears throat> i understand like um like you can tell a man wrote this page mm-hmm. because i don't think women speak like that but oh, anyway, no, um, no 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 especially this group of women there's there's <laughs> i almost picture them as like five girls at the beginning of a slasher movie just like Gabby, yeah. that's what they, why, they feel why like. Why of them called one of? Why is one of them called Monique? Yeah. Because the way the way it's like written, <laughs> the way it's like Mo is just in in like normal font, and then Neek is in bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what? Yeah, there are problematic moments, but I can see I can see he's trying. Yes. To be yeah. Like, um, but then we get to see uh, Wolfsbane, who's on crack. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. Because we we cut over to Shadowcat visiting the remains of the expansion, and the uh, the new mutants are like sifting through the rubble, and uh, you know the new mutants have their own costumes now. I don't remember if they had their own costumes beforehand, but they just definitely look at Wolfsbane's look at Wolfsbane's eyes. She yeah. literally looks like he's on something. Oh no no no! I, no, I agree. Like we we'll get to that, but I just wanted <laughs> to talk about because I don't remember. How, uh, it, like it well a little bit about continuity because I just don't remember when did they get their costumes. I'm not saying this is out of continuity. How terrible! I'm, I'm just saying. Oh yeah, what part think... of in humans history? In humans, humans history, do they start to have their own costumes? Well, to be honest, I don't think it's because of continuity. It's because they're goddamn awful. Like <laughs> they're so hideous. What the hell oh, yes. mask are they? Oh yeah. Like, why is why is he still allowed to have some of his mullet revealed when he's got like a partial mask on all the way around his bloody head? Yes. Like it's someone's taped it to his head. Like it's I, like gaffer tape. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> they look awful. The costumes are terrible. Um... Like, <laughs> like some of the most. This is this is where the art for me breaks down. Like yes. completely falls apart. Like the color, like where we set, we set. Is it is it sunrise, sunset? Why is the why is the sky pink? Mm-hmm. Um, like what is going on with all Spain? What is going on with Warlock? I know you can draw like crazy Warlock, but like the color work on Warlock is really in just in outs. They've just painted yellow all the way around like a yeah. yellow outline. It's te- yeah. it's just yeah. it's really lazy. It is like. About about I know that's really like uh, they're probably on a rush deadline, but still a bit lazy. And what is Riv like Shadowcat's waist slash ass sort of combination? Um, I know that the the costume uh, she has kind of accentuates the fact that she's because it's all quite um, larger around the sort of arms arms and sort of 
upper torso bit, but mm-hmm. it's almost as if she's been cinched completely. Oh yeah, um, in one panel, and her ass has just been filled with something. And then you've got Ileana, who looks like a demon had child. Yeah, and there are panels here where Shadowcat suddenly is like 35 years old. Uh. Yes. Yes. It's probably why uh, Wolfsbane's crying in the background. (laughs) She's changing age. Um, And like, I would never have guessed that was Danny because she's a white woman. (laughs) And if I I remember correctly, um, Danny was coloured in the New Mutant series, right? Yeah, yeah. But she's white here. Like, Stamp, boom, white. Yeah. And like, Ileana's drawn more like a little, like a like a, a little person than a child. Mm. Like her proportions all over the place. Mm. It's, and this whole di- dialogue is just, oh yeah, horrible, horrible, like horrible dialogue. It is the new the new mutants are just basically sifting through their old home, and Kitty has a go at them, and yeah. then has to pull out the pull out the I was next I was next man first card. It's like fuck me. You're a horrible person, Kitty. You sound like Guggenheim, Kitty. I don't like it. Yeah, it's. I don't remember them having like such an antagonistic relationship. Like she didn't want to be part of the New Mutants, right? Because she had already been with the X Men. So uh, there's a, a little bit of friction, but it wasn't anything like this. And and her like blaming them essentially for the destruction of the mansion and for the loss of the X Men. It it feels like. What are you doing here? And then all of a sudden, um, Danny shows... It's like, oh, if you missed them, here. Here's some illusions so you can have them forever. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, generally, how weird is this scene where he's just like, oh, just because... Here you go. And then Kitty's like, oh, no, they're not real. Um, and, and, like, even though... And there's so much dialogue. It's like, we must make sure it's connected to the rest of the universe kind of dialogue. Mm. Like, really forced... Like MCU forced sort of Easter eggy things where it's like, oh, come and live with us and in with X Factor, blah 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 blah, you know. And she's like, oh, well, this is about the X Men. It's just like mm. it, it all feels out of character for me. It's just like manufactured uh, arguments just to have some tension in a few pages because I don't know, Claremont doesn't know what he wants to do and he just needs to fill story. It it, it all feels very pointless. Um, it feels like a guy who's writing too many books. Yeah, yeah. And he's bad out. Because this actual idea, the idea of this book at the beginning of the comic, um, when Brian finds out everyone's going somewhere, is brilliant character mm-hmm. ideas for each of them. And sure. he sy- systematically fails most of them. <laughs> I think the ones he doesn't fail are, the, are because they're barely in the book. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's probably it. Because this, because we move on to Brian again with his um, I'm losing my superpowers. Right. So we we I don't remember if the the reason is given next issue, but it's basically because when he's outside of Britain, he loses his superpowers. So uh, he's slowly sort of degrading as he's flying and and acting in New York. Um, and it, you know it would be very interesting issue because brian is all about surface level right he's all about how amazing his powers are and how great he looks and how much of a hero he is and when he loses those things what what does he become like that's an interesting idea right but it doesn't get explored at all here no he just 
gets shirtless again. People oogle him. He pretends he tries to fly. Gets in a cab, and then we're but then we're back in back to Megan. So uh, before we get into that, this is another instance of people saying "yum" when they're looking at someone who's supposed to be sexy. You remember the the, the uh, I almost said pirates, but they weren't pirates. They were just the uh, sailors who were looking at Megan on the ship in the ocean. Yes, and they were all like "yum, yum, yum." And now it's a bunch of people looking at, at Brian after he's put on some workout clothes, going "yum, yum, yum." And <laughs> I don't think no one ever says that out loud. Ever. No one ever says yum. I don't think they say it in their heads, do they? I don't think so. People actually, people actually go, mmm, yum, when they see something. That's obviously food, maybe, but um, I don't know. It's the 80s. Um, people say things. I do like the fact that Megan keeps changing, cutting her hair, though, in the next couple of panels. Mm. Every, every, every panel. So... Brian gets in a cab to try and, uh, I don't know, go back to his hotel. I don't know. They just, like, the police like, hey, uh, hey, cabbie, take him somewhere. And <laughs> then we cut to Megan, who's enjoying her time with her new who, her new friends. Uh, they gave her some more reasonable clothes. Uh, not that her, her, her physique isn't, you know, overly sexualized or, or anything, but it's, it's better than her skin-tight leotard, I guess. <laughs> Leotard with a snood attachment. Yeah. That's what her costume is. So they're they're walking through New York, and she's she's kind of adjusting until they come by a, a movie theater, and she's starting to have almost like a flashback of of what happened previously. Um, until uh, she runs into, I assume this is an Asian guy. Is that yeah, what's supposed must... to be happening? Yeah, I think so. All right, and so her hair changes and her facial features change, and he grabs her by the hand and leads her off onto a date because, Dan, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, like uh, straight guys are allowed to just like grab women by the arms and like lead them wherever they want to go and just enjoy time with them. Yeah, she's um, so uh, Megan in this this issue. Um, she starts off emotionally traumatized, essentially, and then people try to help her. She sort of doesn't really. Just now, she sort of like distances herself because obviously she's cinema, and then this dude literally takes advantage of a vulnerable young woman. Yes, yes. And it really gets really not nice. It's right. not a nice idea. It's it's even like... for the, even for the payoff. It's not no. Pleasant. At the at the beginning. Uh, it's not as bad. You're like, well, he's kind of, you know, don't just like force this girl to go on a date. But he seems like he's not a terrible guy. And they're, she's enjoying her time and they're having a nice dance until he, well, we'll, we'll get, we'll to, get to it later. <laughs> because now we're cutting to uh, a military base with uh, an experimental blackbird is, is sitting in the hangar and the military are like, ah, what are we supposed to do? Are we going to take it apart? Is it, or is the government going to keep it? And uh, Nightcrawler bamps in, um, and then he flies out, and that's all the Kurt we get in this issue. <laughs> we, he literally appears in three panels. <laughs> um, and so it looks like Excalibur's going to have a, a jet now. Um, and Kurt likes planes. Yeah. There you go. That's all you get. That's all Which, you get. This is really stupid because we're going to get into it, but they don't really use this like at all, yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
the entire sequence is pointless. But anyway, because <laughs> yes. they're going to they're going to embrace train travel in, in in a little bit. Um, but we we zoom back to New York and we're just having quick little panels of Brian exploring New York and having trouble and. These are like this is like a half a page you just throw away artwork here. All yellow washed because yeah. yellow taxi. I don't I don't know. So at the end of, of this, uh the policeman's like, Hey, you look really uh, gratuitous in that gym workout clothing. Are you a prostitute? And it's like, wait a second here. Like I didn't understand this these panels at all. She's like pulling him out of the taxi because he's in workout clothes? I don't get this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, apparently, he's a prostitute because <laughs> he looks like he's in workout clothes. Like I he's, don't know. He's, he's in short shorts, sure, but there's no law that you can't wear a tank top and short shorts. <laughs> no, feels so, very, very weird. Yeah, I don't understand the motivation. But she's like, "Well, if you can prove you're a superhero, I'll let you off the hook." And so he goes to lift a taxi, but his superhero powers have left him, and. I guess the other little piece I kind of enjoyed of this book is in the background of uh, the panel as he's trying to lift a taxi. You see Spider-Man and Doc Ock going at it. Uh, <laughs> um, because the police officer had said, I'd never seen a superhero before. He, you know, over her shoulders is Spider-Man. Um, so eventually he like summons all his strength. And he lifts up this car, but they've all given up on watching him anyway. So this police officer who was like, I'm going to arrest you for being a prostitute unless you can prove you're a uh, superhero... Uh, watches, gives up, and just walks away. I, like, what was the whole point of any of this? I generally don't know. I feel like almost like some sort of weird commentary on, like, I don't know. It just feels weird. I do like the dog weeing on the floor at the end, though. Because <laughs> uh, it says piddle, 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 which was, was the only thing that made me laugh in the entire issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was, get... it, it's just pointless space. It is constant pointless space. Yeah, I don't. It's a wasted idea. Um, and we come back to Megan, whose hair has gotten really, really big. Uh, yeah, I was thinking to myself, is she, is she met, what's his name? The, the person, the, the other Mandarin guy um, um, that hangs out with Psylocke later on in mm-hmm. like, that Jim Lear. Because that's what his hair looks like now. Yes. And this guy basically throws her up against the wall and, and like, forces a kiss on her. And she goes, no. Uh, like, she says no a number of times. And he's like, don't be silly. Don't don't think for yourself. Just do what I tell you to do. Which, um, it felt like a hard turn on this guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't quite like this before. So, uh, I think a little bit more subtlety would have would have done this, this piece of the story a little bit better. Uh, but she can't handle it. She turns into the Goblin Queen for a split second. And he runs away screaming. And uh, she's stood up for herself, I guess. Which, we you feel his intentions here. Claremont's intentions. But this is not done uh, in a, a, it's a not way at all. This is, this is really exploitative of, of, the, of, of the character and her femininity. Like, literally doing this to a female character is just... In such a shoddy way, mm-hmm. like do better, which you know what I mean. That's all you can say is do better because he's Claremont's. No matter what anyone says about Claremont, he has a trouble with women characters, yes. like voicing them. Like he's very bad at it. Yeah, I know that that people be like, eh, 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 eh. 
you know, at, at me. But no matter who he's written, he always makes them either damsels or mm. he does with them. He de- defeminizes them because I fetishizes them. Yes. Um, any issue he tries to do with women is really the male gaze version of it all. And much like this, he just fumbles all the time. And it's just a bit... It's just a bad... It's bad taste. Yeah. It's... Like you... Uh, I keep saying it. You understand his intentions here, but it's... it's This is not... This is way out of his wheelhouse. Um, yeah, he really should never have touched this subject. <laughs> <laughs> At so, all. Now we get a few pages of Rachel uh, visiting uh, Baby Cable up in, in uh, the spaceship. Um, and these are kind of nice moments because we've got Jean Grey sort of admitting that even though this isn't really her baby, it, it still feels like it. And she's contemplating, you know, what what it would be like to be a, a mother. And Rachel's making googly faces. And it's it's kind of like a, a sweet few pages of, of like family interaction. Um, what, what did you think of, of these character moments, Dan? I thought it was um, simple and effective, but I think one page is enough. Yes, uh, yes. Two is too much. Two is milking it, and the weird, the, the art does not help. Oh, no. Jean's like, facial expressions are weird as hell, and I don't know what they were thinking. Did they not even look at what Rachel looked like in the other issues? <laughs> Because it just looks like they've just put a mask on her. Yeah. Um, her face looks like she's been a burn victim or something. Yeah, and then she just blows kisses at people. I don't know. I just because like there's this, and then you see Megan in that, and there's like she's drawn quite. I say realistic, but they they're drawn quite well in uh-huh. the Megan panels, and uh-huh. then you've got this. I don't know. It just it's not working. No. Nice character. Nice character work, but it goes on for too long, and it just doesn't look lovely. And then we're back to Megan, who's who's really the meat of this story, who's gone full like African American now, um, but in in like a her skin tone is kind of greenish. Uh, it's it's weird. Yeah, um, and she's watching some basketball, um, and she's enjoying it. And a guy twists his ankle, and she jumps onto the court and like carries him off. And 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 his partner is like, I'm about to lose this match and lose all my money. Because we, we, we bet on this basketball game. And then suddenly she's back in her Excalibur uniform for some reason. Yeah. Uh, walking on the, the balls of her feet. And she's like, don't worry, I got this. And I'm, I'm a basketball star now. <laughs> Which is, okay, this is random again. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Brian sees her and tries to fly. And Megan... That, that they they embrace in the air, and her hair is a mile long now, and uh, and and they're back together because she missed him as well, kind of, um, and they they drive away in a taxi, and Brian's like, "What happened? I was so worried about you," and she's like, "Dude, I'm a superhero. I can probably like manage walking around Manhattan for for a day," um, and. Uh, it's it's like uh, it's another moment of like yeah you tell Brian that you you're like an actual adult you're a realized person you you can do things and you have like a, a panel of like okay I understand what you're trying to say and then it, it, the story just sort of shifts back to Brian being like but I'm losing my powers what about me 
It's... <laughs> it really is. And then she pays for the taxi and changes back to white. And Brian's sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the point. Because she saved it. She, sa- she paid for a taxi? Is that why he's sad? Yeah, because his wallet, he lost his wallet. The taxi cab's like, someone's got to pay. And she pulls out the money she won for the basketball game. She's like, don't worry, I got this. And and she's like, all cheery. Because what I really want to talk about are the final two panels. Because she walks into the hotel. And she changes back. And she's got a big smile on her face. And you almost are supposed to feel like she's gone through something. And she's you know, self-realized who she's supposed to be. Even though that didn't really happen in the book. And then yeah. the panel next to her is Bran looking like all chagrined uh, and, and not certain what to do because a woman paid for a taxi ride and, and now he's emasculated it? I don't, I don't know what this story is supposed to be saying. I, I think um, when people will say to me, how do you feel about classic Claremont? Um, I will always show them this book, this issue. <laughs> Because well, to me that that's not to me fair. that is, no, 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 to me that is classic Claremont. Someone that can try gets the cliff notes on certain things right, but mm-hmm. when trying for more deeper emotional stand, deeper sort of not emotional. That's the wrong word. Because you right. can write emotions right as long as it's involving men. Um, more of like a deeper social commentary. Yeah, and I know this is crazy because he wrote. Um, uh, God kills man loves, but that is very uh, going to sort of social commentary by one. It's very like surface commentary, very simple allegorical right. um, ideas, which he's done very well. But when he tries to tackle, well, essentially a rape, uh, almost rape um, moment there, and the emasculation of Brian Braddock is that is that that should be the title. <laughs> That should have been the title of this issue, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, he doesn't seem to be able to sort of conjure anything. And I think the problem is is that Megan has always been half-baked in the issues that we've been meeting. There's something there, which me and you have obviously been like, she's an interest, like, there's potential. I think think a lot of people like Megan because there's potential there for her to be a great character, but Mm -hmm. she's never truly been realized yet. And Brian comes off the shelf immediately as an action figure. And I see what he's trying to do. He just mishandles it so badly. He just he doesn't just drop the ball, he drops every ball in sight. Like it's just a mess of 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 like missed messages and and miscommunications to the reader and you don't know how to feel and then we throw in really random sequences, a really serious moment where she fights back against Someone who's basically telling her to just do what I say. Let me force yourself myself upon you, and then we have Brian wandering around. You know, straight after it's it, the the turns are so jarring. Yeah. Like, Rachel's moment, which is cute, lasts too long. Kat's moment maybe lasts too little. I don't know. It's really, and then Kitty's just neurotic for some unknown reason. It's just, it's just all, it's, it's really schizophrenic. The book is schizophrenic and fractured. And I know the team has a very different, sort of, each member has a very different stability, but it's not fractured in that sense. It's just fractured. Like, um, in a different writer's hands, <laughs> in any other writer's hands, I imagine, no. In a different writer's hands, it, having a story which looks at all of the different 
uh, working elements of your team in different scenarios with their voices intact, it would have been a really interesting sort of idea, maybe. And maybe take out certain things to make it less sort of, oh, wow, you went there. Um, and artist- and the problem is, the artistically, it just doesn't live up Mm-mm. to what's for, which isn't the problem for the art team. It's not a bad-looking book. It's just very average. And it yeah, doesn't yeah. convey the emotional states of its characters very well. Um, and when it does, it's so cartoonish in places that, like, like the final panel is really cartoonish. It's like, oh, he's sad. And then, like you said, you, you don't know whether he's upset because she's paid for a taxi. He's upset he's lost his powers. He's upset that he's been, like, you know, emasculated. What, what is his problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it just has a real bad, um, sort of, it, it's, it has a really bad communication problem to the reader. Its intentions, like its character motivations, all of it sort of just halted, and it just can't go over, get over that hurdle to tell us or inform us what he wants to say. Yep, you said it. <laughs> it's uh, it's we had what is this issue eight? Yeah, we had seven great issues, and this is like the first misstep. Um. And and like he deals with certain issues in the other in the other uh, um, comics we've read, and he deals with them fine. Like there's some minor quibbles here and there, but he deals with most of the other stuff, especially when it involves Kitty trying to step up to the plate or be or fight in the in the face of um, male characters in this series so far. Um, he's done really a really sort of better job than he usually does. Uh-huh. And then we have this, and we have this, and. I don't know what to feel about Megan. Like she's literally not grown as a person. No. Yet we're, we're we're giving like a sequence where she's supposed to have grown as a person because she shouted. At some... I really don't know where it's going with her. No. Um. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you've you've said it all. I, this is it's a misstep. Well, there are definite issues here, um, and it's it's disappointing, but. Um, I want to say next issue we're back to uh, the regular standard of, of what we should be expecting from an Excalibur book. I want to say we have our regular artist back as well. Yeah, I believe we do. Yep, and we're going on a kind of a wacky adventure. Um, and all, all I really want to do is kind of just forget about this issue because it. Uh, the more we talk about it, the the worse the taste gets in my mouth here. Um, but I would like to, to shout out Leah Williams, who uh, I noticed this week was reading some Excalibur issues and, and commenting about uh, the Megan and Kurt relationship. So if, if you guys aren't following her on Twitter, she's a fun follow. See, we all know that those two, Kat and um, Megan, should have got together. That's my, that's my, what do the kids call it? Stan? That's my standing, yeah. whatever yeah. it's called. Oh yes, yeah. That's your hot take. That's my hot, that's my definite hot take. Is mm. those two should have been together from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> obvious take. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a great. They would have been such a great couple. It would have been fun, man. But no, denied. Denied. Yeah. Instead, Kurt has like had no real love life. <laughs> He has he has partners going forward. I mean, I think. 
Not many. Nothing, nothing substantial. No. Everyone always talks about, what's her name? Um, Amanda Sefton. Yeah. So, she's a witch. She's also looks exactly. She also looks exactly like Megan without pointy ears. But mm-hmm. you know, black women are a dime a dozen in in comic book world. Don't you know it? <laughs> so, anyway. So that was moving. Excalibur number eight. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to Exiles number seven, the most recent uh, Exiles uh, iteration. Um, and Dan, we have been in love with this series so far. I want to say. Even though we didn't fall quite in love the first issue, I think we really enjoyed it. But I want to say issue two on has just been like a steady progression of just amazingness. Um, Which has led us to issue number seven. And what do we have on the cover here? My least favorite cover that ever has graced this Exiles book. Yeah. Um, The original Exiles artist Mike McCone... um, has Blink in the middle, and she's being pulled between both her new team, which is Valkyrie, Iron Lad, and Little Wolvie, and her old team of Morph, Nocturne, and Safetooth. And they are ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. And the... I really don't like the bottom panel, the, the background, which is like just random people's faces blotted out in yellow. Um, it's just... It's too much yellow, it's too much white... Everyone has like a weird whitey yellow glow around them. Uh, little Wolvie looks like just a normal person, but mm. like a normal hairy kid. Um, <laughs> Sabretooth is horrific. <laughs> like yes. Sabretooth generally is horrific, and yeah, I just I'm not I'm not feeling this at all. This is this is not good. This is I mean safe to say this is the worst part of the issue. Um, yeah, and it's disappointing. But uh, hopefully we're we're gonna get uh, someone else doing covers moving forward. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. So uh, last time we left off in the old west, where uh, some of Blink's team members had been uh, taken capture, had been taken captive, and we had met uh, the king, T'Challa, and that's where we, we start off here. Um, then we are. Uh, Sorry, we skipped over the uh, the creatives here. So, writer Saladin Ahmed, uh, guest artist Rod Reyes with Lee Ferguson doing pencils and inks on uh, pages 18 through 20. And letterer is VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, cover, as we already mentioned, by Mike McCone. Um, so, yeah, we're back to the, the Rod Reyes artwork, which we were head over heels for last issue. And uh, I, I, I feel like... He keeps his standard uh, in this issue as well. Um, Immediately. Yeah. That sunset and the dust. And oh my god. T'Challa's never looked so sexy. <laughs> I still want that hat so bad. I would never be able to pull it off, but I want that hat so bad. Um, I, lo- I love I like the, the purple like highlights on his vest as well. Yes. Uh, actually, that, yes. And um, Little Wolvie is just brilliant. I love that the they keep the idea that he's a he's like a panel frame. Mm-hmm. He's been afterwards because um, he has his own outline as well this time around. And I just really like like the way these panels look. And um, Ahmed's dialogue is just great. I, I like the way this T'Challa sounds. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's really. Um, <laughs> we criticized the other Exiles issue that these are just the characters. 
um, the same characters, but in a different circumstance. But this feels like a completely unique T'Challa take because he literally just sounds like T'Challa, like he doesn't sound really like T'Challa at all. He just sounds like Western T'Challa, I suppose, yeah. which he's supposed to. Yeah, like he's um, supposed to, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just love all of the color work and the first pictures. Him talking to the Wolverine is the, is my favorite panel with him kneeling down. Oh yeah, looking Wolverine is literally my favorite panel of the issue. Um, I think it's such a great image. Um, I love the fact that they do a white background and just have one little shadow. Um, and I love the fact that people just react to little Wolverine like it's fine that this cartoon character is running around. <laughs> but, um, it's it's totally cool. Um, I'm all up for all of this so far. Yeah, me too. So basically, they decide they're gonna go out and you know, Chella wants to take down Magneto, uh, the Magnus gang, and uh, Lincoln Company to rescue their friends. And luckily, Mora has a, a couple of uh, horses for them to borrow, and they can head on out. And we get to this like wonderfully. You know, we were just at sunset, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. And now we're at sunrise uh, with with everyone sort of taking off, mountains in the background, the sunrise coming up from behind in this wonderful painting. Uh, you know, Blink's got her own horse. Valkyrie's on her flying uh, Pegasus with Wolverine, like, giving a, a fist thump in the air. I just love this this panel here. I, I generally love, I love the fact that the... If you actually zoom, I don't know if it's on your pad or not, but if you can zoom in, there's a lot of textural details yeah. on the horse, the horses, and all of the um, just tiny, <laughs> like the intent. Like if 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 you look at it, you'd be like, oh, he's just scribbled some white onto Chala's cake. But the actual intent makes it feel like it's sewn. Yeah, like the whole thing has been craft, like carefully crafted. The horses have been sort of really well realized. The, just from like just the background that it may not seem like much but that town looks so detailed even though it is just really sort of you could almost argue that there is little detail at all in some of that but it feels like that it's just those touches um in this entire image and all of his art that just really just make it some of the best stuff you're looking at oh yeah for sure so our team is heading on out to, to take on the Magnus gang. Um, and as they're sort of uh, deciding what to do, they get attacked by Quicksilver, who uh, is is running at them full speed and shooting bullets, which is kind of weird because he's probably running faster than his bullets can go. <laughs> so I don't know what the point is. He could easily just like run at supersonic speeds and like, punch someone and have more of an effect. But, uh, you know... I'm I'm nitpicking here because it's it's the Wild West and let's have fun with this idea. So I do the I do love the panel where um, Blink blinks off her horse. T'Challa's like using his cape to deflect it, and um, Quicksilver's running straight at them with Valkyrie in the front foreground. Yeah, it's Screw great. Every, every panel is just there's something just to be like wow, every single one. No, I mean we could uh, orgasm over every page of this book <laughs> artwork wise. It's, yeah, it's just wonderful. Um, so they're able to take out Quicksilver without any, any problems. Um, but little movie smells that something else is around. Um, and these, these two like boulders transform, uh, into mastermind here, uh, because he was, he was hiding, 
himself and I guess other other members of his team uh, as boulders. And then Wolfie is is scooped up in the tongue of Toad, uh, and all I can say is, "Ooh, gross." <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And and for the first time, I feel like Scarlet Witch is is who Scarlet Witch should be in that she's a terrible person who uses her powers to do bad things, and that's <laughs> that's what she's doing here. I really like the way that they do her power. Yeah, um, it's a really nice. I will keep saying really nice visual image, but they are really nice visual image. I love this three panel sequence with um, T'Challa. Oh, he just yeah. shoots the shoots the right one and says one with a big mouth. Yeah, I just thought it was a really beautiful moment. Um, it's just a shame that the Scarlet Witch is just overpowered. Um, and they have a secret weapon, which is surprise. Blink's old teammates, Nocturne and Morph. Yeah, and who jump in and fight. I I feel like Nocturne looks very much like herself. Um. But morph here, everyone has like their own unique way of drawing morph, and here yeah. he feels almost like like spiritual in terms of like a spirit, like a ghost, almost. Yes. Um, but they they surprise our our heroes and attack them, and you know they're they're quickly captured. Pretty much. Um, so Dan, you know we're halfway through this book. Uh I just, like, every time we, we talk about this book, we're like, well, you need to read it multiple times to really f- get the full force of the artwork. And and once again, like, I'm just falling more in love with the book, like, pouring over every panel and every color choice and every line. And I can't believe this thing isn't getting m- more praise because the work that's being done here is outstanding. It truly is. It's just like the little panels, like um, the panels just after Moth and not turn over field, and it's uh, the Scarlet Witch, and there's the scarlet um, coloring around her, and it, it moves to black, then moves to like a like a light sort of aqua blue. Mm-hmm. Then there's it, and, and the fact that two people are shadowed out as well is some of the choices and the details. It just feels so unique. Mm-hmm. Like there's no other book doing this sort of no. artwork. And yeah, like you said, why are people been like, holy shit, have, have you not read X? It's like the best looking book Marvel's pushing pushing out at the moment. Sort of thing. Aside from that Silver Surfer annual, which was gorgeous. Oh, well, yeah, that was wow. <laughs> but yeah, but like, why aren't people talking about this? Why are we talking about the other X? Is this an X book? But why are we talking about the other X books when this one gets shelved when it's actually better than them all? Yeah, um, I mean, the only one that holds a candle uh, to this is Red, which is doing something very different. Um, well, I think, I think artistically the only one that holds a candle to it um, is X-23. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but again, another book that's kind of like, X-23 is kind of like swept under the, the carpet, from, it would seem, from people, weirdly. Yeah, it's a shame. But uh, we're here to champion this book. Um and so our, our heroes are captured, and Morph is like, be quiet, the preacher is coming. And, of course, the preacher is a crazy Old West Xavier with, like, missing teeth and, like, crazy eyebrows and the weirdest, <laughs> like, like creepiest white beard. This is, this is like, this is who Professor X is. 
Yes, and the sunburnt nose. Um, yeah. Oh, what What is his name? The the uh, is Stowin, Um, the guy that did the uh, dream dream bear. The dream the New Mutants fought him. Fought the the bear, the giant bear. Oh, I don't remember. Um, the nightmare bear. Um, what is his name? But his the artwork shifts when Nick Xavier uses his. Oh yeah. His, his, the artwork shifts into that style of like nightmarish. It feels very Sienkiewicz for me when, when in that panel. Yes, that's that's who I'm thinking of. There we go. You got there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, it's very much that style, and I think it works perfectly with insane. Actually, no, normal Xavier. This is, this is, <laughs> just, this is Xavier without all the airs and graces. Yeah, it's just him being truthful about who he is. <laughs> but he's using his his powers to you know control everyone and make them do what they want to do, um, which you know he does anyway. But he's just more more overt about it. Um, he's just honest about it. He's just an honest man. I'm a fairness one. You can know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, it's a great idea, though, of like like preacher Xavier. Um, it really is. But then this is where you find out the little twist in the tale um, that preacher Xavier is just an utter shambles of a man. And um, Mania wants it all, you know, wants to be free of it all, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's hoping Blink will help him out. So, uh, and, yeah, go ahead. I'm just, I've just got to the point where um, Xavier is about to perform his uh, brainwashing, or not brainwashing, and there's two, and there's these two panels where he's full on demon mode, and um, they are glorious. Oh yeah, he's got. Uh... Eyebrows like the monarch from the Venture Brothers, <laughs> which I love. It just makes him look even like creepier and crazier. And one glass eye, which is like the best idea ever. <laughs> and there's a anyway. uh, there's a panel before that of of like a close up of Blink, like trying to convince Morph, like we're friends, we're teammates. What are you doing? That is, it's like kind of heartbreaking, like the emotion that's in this panel. Mm, it's really great. I like the um, the way they come because he looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, actually, and that's such a great image. Um, and Professor X uses his uh, powers, and he, he says demands a sacrifice, and like suddenly out of nowhere, the Pegasus, uh, Alendil is 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 destroyed here, and like that was a surprise. Like I was like I was worried someone's gonna die in this issue, and then when the Pegasus is is, is taken out, half of me was like heartbroken, and the other half was like, "Oh, phew, I don't want any of the other characters to be killed." Um, I was really sad because I don't, I don't deal well with animals being murdered, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was like, "Oh no!" And the reaction shot, um, much like with oh, yeah. Linkwa, where the color is saturated from it as well mm-hmm. um off her face and it just it just it just blows up um and then the fury afterwards the pure like unadulterated fury that she has mm-hmm. I, it's a really sort of lovely way yeah i love that they highlight her her uh, uh, for lack of a better term godly like dna being part of like the pathos of uh that's not the right word the panthos the the mythos of mm. of the the norse gods like enables her to like resist all of their powers yes 
It's just like, fuck that. I'm just going to murder these people. Yeah. <laughs> um, fuck that noise. Um, and then we get one of my favorite panels of T'Challa after that, where he's um, just because of the, the coloration of the, like, the necklace and like, the sky behind him. And he's all like, I'm come to kill you. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Like, I'm literally come to murder you. Yeah, you know, yeah. like the way the mountain. It's a magneto, yeah. Um, and and Morph and uh, Chloe, Chloe, Morph, no, Chloe's Morph and Nocturne, Morph and Nocturne are released from the preacher's control because it's taking all of Xavier's power to hold back Valkyrie from basically mushing him into paste. I imagine. Mm. Um, that panel where she he's attacking her is brilliant. Oh yeah, where she's just kneeling. To his psychic energies, and Morph's like, "What?" <laughs> he is. He's got like those bug eyes. <laughs> and then, and then we have the, maybe the best stand- page of the book. Yeah. Yes, another standoff, which is just, yeah, it's yeah. There's not enough. I can't say anything other than you. I know it's not fair to to you listeners, but please read this. And once you get to the page between Magneto and T'Challa. You'll understand why I think that this book should have just been on everyone's pull list, and people were like talking about it for days on end. Because it's just, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like the framing of each yeah. individual panel, the circle panels, the the end shot, the blood, <laughs> just the coloration. I love how. Um, he uses color to um, show shock, um, to show sort of mournfulness, and to show dead, just pure undead body. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's one of the most interesting artistic takes. That um, basically what happens, because we're obviously going to spoil it for you anyway, um, is that T'Challa wins and kills Magneto. And there's a moment at the end, about the, the end, which is really beautiful, where the life is literally draining out of Magneto, um, as T'Challa is stood above him. There's blood coming from his mouth, but the thing that really impresses me is that the whole panels were red and more of a crimsonly red, and sort of the motif of Magneto's colours, mm-hmm. and that motif is just draining from Magneto's body yeah. into pool of blood, and it is. I would never have thought of that because I am not a, an amazing artist. Um, like that is some really beautiful sort of foresight and just a keen eye for detail. That just that says a million words. As a, as a oh, for sure. Um, I also really love in in the circle panels next to that where where they have uh, both characters firing. You've got Magnus like gritting his teeth, like just trying to survive. It feels like where. T'Challa is like, like, like busting out in anger. You see it in his face how angry he is when he's shooting. Like he's getting his vengeance, and you see the emotions on their face as they're having this, uh, as they're squaring off. I think was wonderful as well. Yeah, and the idea that it's like half covered in smoke, and the blam is a is a stark black, mm-hmm. which is like crippling a little bit. And it's just the mo- the model pe- the model black around the. Blam is really good. It's insane the amount of detail and the thought processes. And why? Why do people just not read it? I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, um, unfortunately, we're not we're not done with death in this book. As um, no. Valkyrie is is sort of losing her fight 
against crazy preacher Xavier. So Nocturne uh, jumps into the fray, and we get another very Sienkiewicz uh, panel here of of Xavier. You know, one two fingers on his forehead, one one hand pointing out, like trying to use his powers to take on Nocturne, and the the old exiles decide to uh, they they formulate a plan to take out the preacher. And just like a, another wonderful page, like every page, I just want to be like, well, actually, this is my favorite page. Well, no, actually, this is my favorite page because. And, and do you know, because we're talking about the art so much, this talk, we have to talk about Ahmed's ability to um, throw in a bit of a sort of cliche joke because um, he uses a semi deus ex machina to let them survive a little bit, whereas not turn develops a new power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like treated as a sort of semi-joke by by blink and i th- i think it was quite nice to be like oh by the way <laughs> i like the fact that you no, because i like the fact that um ahmed um much like he does in quicksilver he plays with the conventions of how a comic book story should be told and so he'll throw in things that are very comic book like this oh by the way i have a new power now um but then <laughs> he can sort of fling slight sort of like it's almost like metatextual without being like overtly meta, mm-hmm. and it just flows into the book. And and I think he's he's doing re- he's doing really lots of great twists and turns for character sort of reactions. Where we have this, we haven't had a furious Valkyrie before, and you really do from her because she's very much it's her actions that show off her like fury. But the what the words she speaks before she attacks him. Um, are just as important as just showing how much fury she's got. I think um, both the script and the art are just working beautifully, harmoniously oh, yeah. together. No, no, no. It's Ahmed's a, a, like an excellent writer, and he's he, what what I love in this book is he knows when to sort of get out of the way and let the artwork tell the story, but he also knows when dialogue is necessary and when it will like accentuate what's happening. Um, and like they're working. Just hand in hand here, uh, like artist and and writer. It's, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much I can just like effusively continue to to like praise this book, but uh, it, without sounding you know repetitive. But it's it's just like gorgeous and and it's also fun, but it's also like emotional and uh, it's it's everything a comic book should should strive to be. Um. And and we get to see another like amazing use of Morph's power here as he becomes like a what do you call it? I want to say Russian nesting doll. That's that's not it. It's like cutout dolls with their hands connected. Yeah, paper. Yeah, paper. Paper. Paper people. Yeah, all connected. Which and is great. And only only one of them has a smile, which I assume is Morph's yeah. face. <laughs> and he's like surrounding uh, the preacher to sort of I guess confuse him. And it's like a whoever would have thought to do this. Yeah, it's such a great idea um, and really unique use of his power. Um, and it, again, it's so well executed. And let's be honest, um, the next page, we even get a, almost like a Wolverine snicked. Yes. Um, which is very much appreciated. I imagine um, when Jason reads it, he'll be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Morph uh, occupies the preacher so that Blink can, can jump in behind and stab him through the back uh, with like three of her blades, which come out of his chest almost like Wolverine claws. And just when you think that they've won, 
the preacher uses his last bit of power to like destroy Morph, and it's it's heartbreaking here, Dan. Like he was one of my f- he's just what they could do visually with this character and the the fun that he brings. He was one of my favorites. I can't. I was. This was what I was really worried about happening when these old characters came back that that they were going to kill him off. Well, they did. <laughs> um, right. Thank I thought. Thank you I, for yeah. like pouring. I don't know, like onion juice into my like the crying eyes here, Dan. What I thought was happening because it threw me for it threw me for six. I was quite. I I got quite sad too. Because I thought the death of the unicorn, the unicorn, the death of the Pegasus was it. So did I, yeah. Because it was this like feeling moving forward from the last issue. And this issue as well. That Iron Lad might die. Someone is passing away, basically. And when they um, killed Elendil, I was like, all right, I'm sad. Unicorn's the unicorn. I keep calling it a unicorn. Because I want it to be a unicorn. Maybe it'll be resurrected as one. <laughs> but um, I was like, so Eleanor's dead. That's it then. That's the death. But then they throw in this. And we just after he says, like, he's because Ahmed makes him sound like Moth. And I mean, like, Exile's Moth. Not, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Not, not anyone else. He sounds like Moth. He's still a bit potty, mind, potty minded. He's still a bit of a womanizer. And it's all like, nice job, boss lady. Um, and then he's sort of like, question mark up <laughs> before he gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's quite like, sad. And I don't know. And his final, final words just remind me of like, when he first met them. Yeah, yeah. As well. It's, it's the, the first... The first three of the the previous team sort of joined together at the end is as more expires. We have such a mournful moment as well. Mm. With um the child stood up stood above Magneto, morph on the floor, with no one stood right, no one stood at him. Uh Valkyrie with Elendil and Xavier just dead under the chair. It's a really dark panel, mm. to be fair. It's even little Wolvie is crying his little eyes out. Yeah. But at least I am that safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we we cut to the saloon and you know, people trying to drown their sours in uh, in booze here. And Valkyrie wants to be left alone, even though Wolvie's trying to console her. And uh, everyone's dealing with this in a, in their own way. We, we finally get to see panels of Nocturne and Blink. Uh, we've been waiting for for a long time as well, like reunited and talking about what to do. And and Blink tells her, you know, you've earned your retirement. You should you should rest. Um, and that is all interrupted by like crazy future watchers. Um, ones we've seen before that tried yeah. to kill them the last time. So we're gonna keep moving on, and um, um, and this is Lee Ferguson's art, isn't it? Because I really like the fact that it yeah. instantly turns into a nine-panel yeah sort of moment. Like it's completely 
they don't shy away from this is a different artist um, and yeah. different artistic style and a different coloration, like the way we're going to color it. And I feel like the nine panels and the way it's shadowed with the um, dots, um, dot shadowing and all that uh, works well with all the, the, the quite mournful feeling of the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And then boom, bright light, big headed demons. But, um, so yeah, how do you feel going forward? Do we feel like Nocturne will stay with the team? I don't think she will. I think, you know, as much as I want to see her in more of the book, she has sort of earned her, her respite from, from all of this. And I'm certain that Ahmed has things he wants to do with the characters he's already brought together. And those, we haven't really finished with that. So I'd like the focus to remain on, on, on who's left of the team. Um, what about you? Um, I think um, it's very much a great idea to look back to go forward. And this is one of those moments where we look back and then we move forward mm-hmm. as, as characters. And right. you always need, you can't have the same people in the team. You constantly have to have far momentum. You, you can't be anchored completely in the past. And we still have to find Sabretooth. Obviously, right, right. but uh, and that sh- that should be emotional because obviously Sabretooth con- Blink con- and Sabretooth have a really deep connect- connection. Um, but I feel I don't feel like we need not turn in it. No, I feel nice like go guest ahead. appearance. Yeah, like guest appearance later would be nice. But mm-hmm. I feel like I personally want T'Challa to join them. Seeing as uh, I was robbed of Sharon Carter. Um, no, Peggy Carter, Captain America. <laughs> well, spoilers. I don't know if you saw some of the panels from upcoming pages, but I think they're going to make our return. Oh, I haven't seen them. So you... <gasps> the surprise is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen those panels, but I'm actually excited if if they are returning. So that's exciting. Because mm-hmm. um, I think moving forward, we Blink is the 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 sort of cement. Right, the, the thing that connects all exiles, I think moving forward. Um, but they've lost two of them already. Yeah. Well, I guess three. Yeah, three. Morph. Yeah. I didn't include Morph in the first one, ladies and gentlemen. I include, included the Pegasus and Khan. Um, sorry that I didn't think of Morph immediately. <laughs> hey, what about uh, Magnus? Yeah, <laughs> I, I met Magnus from the original Exiles issue number two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, but uh, I, I would like to see actually Sabretooth on the team. I think that would be an interesting dynamic to have, and and having him there with Blink would be at least for an arc would be uh, some nice a nice bond for for blink some stability you know what i mean yeah it'd be nice so what do you want to rate this book uh, as if i don't already know i think i am um with everything that went on i'm gonna give it a what no i'm giving it full marks <laughs> um, it's a ridiculous it's insane um the panels could easily just be paintings hung yes. up in a gallery yeah 
They out of the three books we've read, it it stands heads, shoulders, mountains ahead, knees and toes, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's a, it's on a different level. Like it um, mechanically, as a comic book, it works on an extremely good level compared to what else we've read. Um, just emotionally, it hits the right notes. Even if I think, even if you didn't know who Moth was, it still hits that sort of note for a character beat for for Blink. Um, the script is knows when to shut up and when not to shut up, mm-hmm. um, and and when it isn't shutting up, it's saying great things. And even when it transitions to a new artist, the artistic style is so uniquely different, and it um, sort of like not even the classical because it's a nine page panel, two nine page panel grids, which is not something you always see. No, so it's a really like sort of personal because they're all quite up close and personal panel grids as well so um makes the ending feel a little bit more personal until we get giant headed watchers I would, but yeah it's I, I, great just just talk about those last two pages i really do like the lee ferguson artwork here like if he yeah he came in to do a, a couple issues i'd be up for seeing what 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 he could do exactly yeah i mean i'm, I'm obviously going to give his full marks as well like easy uh, one of the best books out there has been for a number of months. Um, if you're not reading it, you're dumb. So read this book, and holy cow, read this book. So yeah, I mean, that was that was our three three issues for this month. Obviously, uh, a few. I don't want to know if mediocre is is the correct uh, term to use for the first two, but uh, an outstanding one to finish us off here. A nice happy ending, so to speak, and um, I'm, I'm I'm glad we got to, to talk about these issues, Dan. Yeah, so am I. It's been lovely. All right, so uh, moving forward, I think we're gonna we got some some stuff uh, we're cooking up uh, for everybody. Uh, some some new some new things, maybe a, a few guests here and there. So stay tuned for more excitement. Um, I think we're probably going to be joining Jason on uh, the podcast that goes snicked in a, in a week or so as well for like a X Universe roundup that we always do. So you can look look for us there. Uh, where else can they find us, Dan? And you can find us on Twitter at Escalabros1 on Twitter. And obviously we're on everything <laughs> that you can listen to. We're on everything. We're on everything. But um, yeah, come throw us some thoughts. Um, if you haven't read Exiles before, or if you haven't read Excalibur and you're just listening for the joy of it, um, and you want our recommendations on where to start, apart from just issue one, or if you just want like a teaser or a taster, or you want to talk about any of the characters, just throw us a, throw us a tweet. For sure. And uh, we, we slightly mentioned it uh, very briefly, but outside of what we're normally talking about, you should read the Silver Surfer annual that came out uh, on Wednesday. The artwork is just fucking amazing. Uh, And the story story was wonderful as well. Yeah, um, I joke that how many times has he been reset to his uh, default setting? But um, (laughs) this is like the hundredth time. But But no, my lord, that book is gorgeous. Yes. Yes. So, uh, that's, that's it. Uh, for this month Uh, thank you so much uh, for stopping by for listening to us and uh, we'll see you next time bye bye bye